morning, good morning. Mark chapter 1. In our text, we'll begin in verse 21, and we'll study down through verse 28 today. Terrifying, terrifying thought that I had today. I was going through the announcements, and I don't know why I read... I know that we're not like probably the most seeker-sensitive church, and we're just truth-tellers. We just tell it the way it is. And I read we're inviting... I read it, we're inviting ugly women to a Christmas party. I don't know if it was the dyslexia that's kicking in or what. Wow, that was just the most terrifying thought. It's no, it's in it's a women's ugly sweater Christmas party. Just to clarify, in case any of you panicked like I did, if we had one of those parties, there'd be no one to show up. Good recovery. Uh, we have one reason, one reason, one one motive. Um, we just sang that that he would be lifted up. My prayer throughout the course of this week has been uh, that our time together, our time in his word, would stir the affections that we have in our heart towards him, that would stir greater affections, that through our time, we, we come here, we sing, we learn, but we leave with a greater understanding, a greater appreciation um, for who he is, first and foremost. Um, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, you alone are the one who is to be lifted up. Our prayer, like the psalmist, not unto us, not unto us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory. Um, It it seems, Lord, that we come here regularly and and it can get common. It can seem too familiar. And and God, I, I believe we need moments like this where we are directed by your spirit, we're led, we're spoken to, um, into your word. Um, And we just ask right now that you would just saturate us and pour over us your spirit, uh, protect and anoint us with your blood that we would understand afresh and anew um, that apart from you, we are just desperately lost. We're, We're damned to hell apart from you. And we thank you, Lord, that you saw us and you know us, you pointed and you chose us and we're just blown away by who you are and and Lord you've lavishly just undeserving of us you've poured out your grace and mercies that are new every day your love that is unconditional regardless of what we do that that you still love us Your, your forgiveness regardless of the wrong choices the things that take place in, in darkness and in secrets in people's lives, Lord, that you can free us and rescue us and forgive us and offer us hope, not just today, not just tomorrow, but forever and ever and ever. God, I pray for our community. I pray, Lord, for those that are hurting. 
pray for those that are lost. I pray, Lord, that as we enter this Christmas season, that we use every moment to direct people to Christ when we speak of the subject of Christmas. Guide us now, Lord. Please guard my mind and my mouth. Um, Direct our thoughts and our hearts towards you. We ask this. The strong and powerful authority that exists in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Been involved in this little series on the Gospel of Mark. I call it Mark for a Mission. Our mission very clearly has been what's seen this over the last couple of weeks is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Today today we get a real glimpse as to one of the, the reasons why we are to follow because of who he is. And in doing that, again, our affections are stirred. A greater appreciation and understanding for who he is. Now, if you remember by way of review, it's this style that Mark has. It's very direct. Okay, it's to the point. Um, it's the style of Mark that tells us Jesus was, it had been prophesied, his ministry. Um, he was announced, he was introduced, he was baptized. Um, He was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, but remained completely unstained, perfect. He proclaims, he preaches the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way. There's only one way, regardless of what you would hear or or what others are saying. There's one way to enter the kingdom of God. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He began last week, and, and and he began to put this team together. Any, any organization that is going to be successful has got to be built upon a foundation of people that get it, that buy into the whole vision. He puts together Peter, Andrew, James, and John. I was immediately struck with the fact that there's no Sebastians here. There's no Tristans or, or Remingtons. Um, there's no Emmets. It's just these guys, Peter, Andrew, James, they're just so plain. They're so commonplace. They're so ordinary. Vanilla. Simple, everyday, common fishermen. Fishermen. Question mark. Fishermen? Really? There's, there's no sirs. There's no lords or counts or emperors or magistrates. They're, when you think of it, I, I was struck with this, they're kind of like us, just plain, everyday, ordinary people. Now, I, I try to get to know everyone within our body, and, and to my understanding, to my, I may be wrong here, we don't have anyone within our, our, our local church who's the former Miss America, to my understanding. To my understanding, I, I've met no um, Super Bowl or World Series winning people who wear the ring in our church. We're just kind of like a common church. I, I've never met anyone that goes to this church who is a Nobel Prize winning or Pulitzer Prize winning. They don't exist here. No one here has won an Oscar or an Emmy, to my understanding, or a Grammy. As a matter of fact, when you think of it, I can't even really remember who won it just last year. It seems that that there's this ordinary commonplace that exists 
within us. Now, there is no doubt, there is no doubt, perhaps accolades or achievements aside, every, everyone, every one of us are precious. Every one of us bear the stamp, what Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, that we have been created in His own image. The psalmist says what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no doubt every single one of us are valuable and are precious. And we are loved, no doubt, that every single one of us have someone, perhaps grandma saved the newspaper clipping when you won the art contest in fourth grade. Someone cares about you, who has stories that could tell about your 4-H awards. Someone who, who says, let me introduce you to, to my daughter. She had a lead singing part in the Mary Poppins uh, musical at school. Every one of us, in a sense, are willing to, to recognize that in our ranks, somebody did here, somebody here drove in the winning run of a game before. There are individuals here that are gifted people, no doubt. We have athletes amongst us. We have artisans and craftsmen and carpenters amongst us. In fact, there's actually people here that are brilliant linguists and engineers. There's people sitting here that have received scholarships. There's individuals here that have learned and gained and earned higher than average levels of education and that presently you sit as a success in your fields. Congratulations, but need I remind you that your field is kind of small when it comes to central Pennsylvania. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you're not important. We are all called to an extremely important task of sharing the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with everyone in our own little corner of the world. You have to admit it's... It's really very little to do about us. As a matter of fact, I think we're actually more effective in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ when it's less about us, when we remove ourselves from the way. We're just ordinary people, but we are called. And this is what's neat. There's a longing inside of every one of us to be connected to or associated with something that is extraordinary. There's something inside that says, you know what? I actually, I want to matter. I want to wake up every day with a purpose. I want that purpose to be very, very clear. I want that calling to be known. And so today we, we, we understand that the most ordinary of people, just like us, are called to and connected to someone who is truly the only extraordinary one. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the entire world. We, in our text today, are introduced to this extraordinary one. And Mark, Mark chapter 1, we pick it up in verse 21. Here it is. Here's our text. We'll read down through verse 28. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished 
at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Typical to Mark's style, the word immediately is used twice. We also see that the word um, astonished or the word amazed is used twice. We, We also see that the word authority is used twice. Here it is, as Jesus begins with specifics included, his first piece of formal public ministry. And we will very quickly get the fact that there is no one else. There is no one else like this. Here he displays extraordinary knowledge, insight, wisdom, and ultimately authority. He is in charge of the situation, complete control. He is preeminent last couple of weeks, we have talked about the fact that Jesus is building this team around him. And it's really, in a sense, it's kind of a, a common, obscure team. And it's the middle of really an obscure place. Think of it. Jesus is launching a global ministry, a global mission. And he seems to do it like this often. The most unlikely of people from the most unlikely of places. It begins, and they went into Capernaum. It's just a small company. As a matter of fact, very interesting. Capernaum is almost, and I was studying this week, almost the exact same size as Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. Middle of the, they say, well, you're only three hours from New York or Philly or Pittsburgh or D.C., but you're, you're also three hours from anywhere. There's, there's Capernaum, a small town, kind of like our small town, but it becomes the base of operations. It says what? They went into Capernaum, and immediately there's that word again. Mark just loves to use, just cut to the chase. On the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. I don't know, but it seems all so matter-of-fact. Ordinary, every day. We, we are getting, in a sense, a glimpse inside what we call a day in the life of Jesus. And it begins, he goes to the temple. He gets up and he goes to work. Kind of like what you and I do every single day. Get up, we go to work. Get up, go to work. Do the same thing. But Jesus, in this moment, immediately reveals his unique place, his unique purpose, and the position that he holds. He is unlike anyone else. There's a telltale sign with the same word that is used twice. It's used in verse 22, and it's used in verse 27. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. It's repeated in verse 27. What is this? A new teaching with 
authority. He commands that the spirits obey. In both cases, it's the same word, Greek word, exousia. It means competency. Jesus alone is competent. It speaks of a jurisdiction, a strength, a mastery, an influence, a privileged power. Now, pause for a moment on this subject of authority. And do you realize that in our little sandbox that we work in, live in, play in, the, the, the idea of authority is a big deal. Who has authority in your life? Who's in charge? How much authority do you have? Who calls the shots? Who makes the decisions? Who, who makes the rules? Every single day, every single one of us make decisions and they are based on the scope, estimation, the competency, the authority that we have or that we do not have. Now it can be big decisions, like what, our family, our own personal faith, our finances? Or it could be the little decisions that we make in life, how we have what and spend our, our free time, how we have fun. Every single one of us live under authority of absolutes. There's laws and rules and restrictions. As a kid from the principal at school, for adults, the politicians in Harrisburg or in Washington, there are parents, there's policemen, there's even preachers. We get this idea that whether or not you're a kid at home with the babysitter, they have authority over the little one. Whether or not it's a parent who goes to work, dad or mom has a boss, and they are under the authority. Even if you are the boss, you still got to drive the speed limit in order to get to the office that you're in charge of. Someone's in authority over you. And we need to recognize that. So, therefore, it asks the question, what? Who's the one that you're going to pay attention to? The, the, the one who has authority, who, who's going to give you advice? Who can you trust? Who, who is going to determine, in a sense, where you're going to focus your time or your attention on? Who are you going to get up with an understanding of, I've got to please this particular person? Who gets our focus? Who gets our attention? And there's, there's, a, there's a larger underlying Regardless of the pecking order of where you fall or who's in authority over you, ultimately there is one who has authority, sovereign, reigns over everyone and everything. When it deals with the subject of authority, it comes down to this fact. Who's worthy? Who who, who is really worthy for us to focus our time, effort, attention, money on? Who's worthy? Who, in a sense, will I entrust my eternity to? Today in this text, we are reminded there is only, there is only one. I was teaching this week in Revelation chapter 5. Just one of my favorite texts. There's one seated on a throne and in his hand is a scroll. John in a vision is asking, who is worthy? In that scroll consists what? Every 
knowledge, every detail of everything that has ever existed in all of time. The color of every single leaf, the shape of every single snowflake, every speck of dust, every grain of sand, every hair on your head, every thought, everything is is compiled within that scroll. Who's worthy to open the scroll? John records, he says, that he begins to weep. Because there's no one worthy. There's no one righteous. We're all sinners. Till it says that an elder stands up and says, Weep no more. Stop crying. Why? Because there is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the lamb, is worthy to open the scroll. There is only one. May today our affections for that one be stirred to a place that it's never been stirred before. Here we go. We begin with this story. Jesus, number one, shares extraordinary knowledge as he teaches. Jesus shares extraordinary knowledge as he teaches. If if you want to know what Jesus does on the Sabbath, He goes to synagogue. He will be found there. It's habit for him. It is routine. You can bank on it, which a little side note, a little segue here. If we call ourselves Christians, ones like Christ, here's a really good idea that that identifies us as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to places that Jesus went to. Which means what? Jesus went to church. You go to church. Not when you have time to go to church. You make time to go to church. Not when it's convenient for you. Not when there's nothing else on your schedule. No. Christians go to church. Ones like Christ go to church. It, it, it's not optional. It is expected. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Markets. What's interesting here is that this is a, a Jewish synagogue. It's, it's defined as simply a meeting place or assembly. Uh, it's similar to our word church, but, but it's distinct in the sense that it's a little bit different from probably the temple concept or mindset that you're thinking of. There's not just one priest here. There's not just a church with one pastor. Rather, there's, there's what any adult Jewish male who has a connection to the community, could be asked to speak. So, so it's not one individual. It could be one of any. could be asked to speak. Jesus is obviously asked. He stands up to speak and he teaches and they immediately recognize. Okay, this is not like anyone else who's ever spoke. They immediately recognize this is not just another teacher here. I love this. I love this phrase. They were astonished. They were astonished. That is teaching shocked, surprised. Totally, totally caught off guard. Totally unexpected. Jaw-dropping. The most ordinary, probably plain-looking guy. Nothing set him apart physically. He stands up. Something happens. You know what I'm mind- mindful Reminded of um, back in is it 2009? Um, 
And you remember it. You've all watched it. You've seen it. There's this little short gal in, in the most plain-looking, kind of dowdy 47-year-old gal who's, who's on Britain's Got Talent. Okay, and she kind of waddles her way out there with some confidence, but literally, literally, people are rolling their eyes. You have got to be kidding me. Susan Boyle announces that she's going to be singing I Dreamed a Dream from La Miz and, 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 and Simon Cow is like, you, is this a joke? She opens her mouth and she begins to sing. And people who were rolling their eyes a second ago, their eyes are wide open. Their jaws are dropping. That's, it's that type of shock. Jesus speaks with an undeniable power and He makes a connection to hearts with words. Very different than the, the, the mechanical, mundane, monotonous, monotone drone of the other teachers who were reciting large portions Okay, the, the message Eugene Peterson actually paraphrases verse 22. He says this, They were surprised at his teaching, so forthright, so confident, not quibbling and quoting like the religious scholars. When Jesus spoke, he spoke in the content. Totally different, radical. It rattled the cage of the norm. It wasn't even... It wasn't even comparable to, to the rational logic that they were used to hearing. The message of Jesus, you, you want to be first? Well, then put yourself last. You, you want to get? You want to gain? Well, then you, you, you need to give. You want to actually live? Then you need to die to yourself. This is the way that he spoke. There were, there were illustrations and there were connections that were made. There were, there were these images and it was so common. It was so simple. He spoke and he, he referred to, 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 to sheep or wheat or fish or light or darkness, rocks. The, the most simple things. And yet what was interesting is that it pierced, totally relevant. And what was perhaps even more astonishing than anything else, what was more amazing than anything else, not just the, the, the authority, but he displays his authority with the knowledge, with, with a clarity that those who were listening knew that he cared for them. That the one who was speaking loved them. Totally different than just some guy standing up to do what he needs to do. It, it makes me constantly it makes me constantly ask the question, do do I do we together? Do do we speak like that? In a sense where we know we know the subject, but we also know the audience. And that we, we care for those that we're speaking to. That we actually love those who we are 
speaking to. And that when we speak, just like Jesus, what? He makes the connection. He draws people attention to His Heavenly Father. Do you do that? Or do you feel that you need to get the attention? Do you feel that you just drone on and on and on? I read this week the the speakers and the scribes of Jesus' day were trying to draw water from broken cisterns. But Jesus was the fountain of living water. That beautiful picture. Do you, do you realize that when you and I are well versed in this word, do you realize that when we know this, that we can speak with the same authority. This is not my word. This is not your word. This is his words. But you got to know this. You got to dig into this and study this and search this. Do you realize all of it is given by inspiration of God? God breathed every single word. It is quick and powerful. It is living and active. It endures forever. I, I raked the last few leaves off my lawn yesterday. And you take them to the woods and throw them away. It says that the grass withers and dies, everything around us, but the Word of God endures forever. Do do you realize how much power exists? Not, Not when you, you don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to say. We, like the psalmist, or what? Psalm 116, I believed, I believed, therefore I spoke. Do you realize that lives are transformed all the time? The power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that we are not the only ones we have been praying, as I know many of you have been praying for our enemies. It says that we pray for our enemies, that we're to love our enemies. And, and we hear in the news that there is radical Islamic terrorists, and, and it's hard. And I was talking this week to our son Seth who lives and in, in, in ministers in Iraq and, and he was in a IDP camp a refugee camp just this past week and he, and he told me uh, it was filled with Yazidis they were forced there as a result of the, the ISIS terror and he heard firsthand from people who knew one of the Yazidi believers a Christian who was on his knees to be executed by ISIS And before he was beheaded, the man reached in his pocket and he gave to him a Bible and he said, will you please read this? You can have this. Take this and read this. And the man was beheaded. The testimony is is that that terrorist took that word and he read it and it broke his heart and he confessed the Lord, the Savior, that he will spend eternity with the man who introduced him and he sent there. Did you realize the power that exists? Here, take this, read this. It's that authority. It's that word that we speak of. That's the way that Jesus spoke. Secondly, Jesus shows extraordinary power as he rescues in the synagogue, there was a major, first we see, interruption. It says that there is a man with an unclean spirits. 
it mean that there's a guy you didn't shower and that he smelled really, really bad? No. NIV actually clarifies it. It says a man possessed by an impure spirit. Here's what it is. There's a man in the synagogue, as Jesus is speaking, there's a man in there who is demon-possessed. And there is a clear interruption within that service. And that's, that's hard. I, I was preaching one time, and in the back, someone, unbeknownst to me, had a heart attack. I don't think it was my fault. And we had to pause and, and call ambulance. It's, it's hard to recover. How do, you, how do you handle that? There's a clear interruption here. Every one of us would be like rattled. We're unnerved. What do we do? How do we? Jesus is completely in control. I understand that the gospel, that the truth will always face opposition. Now, you, you go throughout the gospels, and there are a lot of recorded references of demon possession, of demon possessed individuals. Uh, especially, especially during the, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. There, there was a spiritual battlefield. And remember, demon-possessed people could be violent and vicious. We have accounts in Matthew 8 and Luke 8 about the possessed man in, in, in Gadarenes who's, who's running around and he's breaking chains. He's cutting himself. This, this horrid graphic, there's this superhuman strength. Oftentimes, there's a blasphemous outcry. If you recall, Jesus was faced with unrelenting temptation directly from Satan, and Satan knew that he was utterly defeated. And these demons, now they recognize Jesus. Note, note as well the, the tension and the the torment by way of the, the change. It's, a, it's an awkward change of the pronouns here. Listen to this. What have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? Plural. And then it moves to, I know who you are. You, you, you are the Holy One. But what is this? This is, a, this is an individual, a man, who is what in bondage. He is what? In the chains. He is plagued by the enemy. What does Jesus do? He literally, he literally comes to the rescue. He's unfazed by this. He is unmoved by this. He is in complete control. And he offers clear, strong, secondly, there's not just an interruption. He offers instruction. Jesus rebuked him. Be silent. Another translation says, keep quiet. Not in any way to be disrespectful. Okay, what we say in everyday language, you shut up. You have nothing to say. Now think of it. There's a testimony that is being declared and God will not even hear of that testimony. There's an element of truth to it. He is the Holy One, but He will not hear of it from one who is, what, drenched in evil. It's, it's, it's before everyone else. The authority is on display. A couple chapters later, we're going to see and learn in Mark chapter 4, the disciples who have been moving and spending time with Jesus. Okay? Jesus quiets the storm, and the disciples ask the question, Who is this one? Who is this? They're in shock that the, the wind and the sea 
even obeys him. We could say what? The wind, the sea, and the demons obey him. Jesus steps in and comes to the rescue and frees a man from bondage and torment. Do you realize that is exactly what Jesus Christ can do for every single one of us? Anyone, anyone, regardless of what your track record exists or consists of. Jesus can rescue you from your sin. Now it must have been it must have been quite a, a scene to tell you the truth in the middle of synagogue. A man is screaming and then he's he's convulsing in front of everyone, but then it's quiet. And and, and we see what in closing, there is even greater attention that is given to Jesus. It begins with the interruption. Jesus, with his authority, offers instruction. And as a result of that, there's greater attention that is given. Again, there's this word, amazed. A new teaching with such authority. And I love this. I love this. That the, the mission that God has called us on as followers of Christ... You realize that the gospel never recedes. The gospel never recesses. The gospel never goes backwards. Look how it ends in verse 28. His fame spread everywhere. Did you realize in the middle of the most ordinary of places, with the most ordinary of people, there is an extraordinary Savior, the Christ the Messiah. And yet we today get a little bit of a glimpse of His authority and Lord willing stirred within our hearts a greater affection. You know what? Um, I don't know. It's all week long. All week long I've been preparing and Wendy's probably tired of me singing. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. Nothing my God cannot do. And I, I, I thought about a little Sunday school song that we probably sang a thousand times, but that's, that's what this text is all about. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. So we may be an ordinary person in an ordinary church, in an ordinary town, but may we be encouraged, okay? Ones like Christ. May we be encouraged to direct what? Everyone's attention with great authority. His authority. To an extraordinary one. The one who rescues. The one who knows all. Sees all. Loves all. Forgives all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Help us, God, to have a renewed awareness. You, by your Spirit, stirring within us a greater affection and appreciation, that we come away with a greater knowledge of you. God, propel us forward in your strength and help us to be submissive in obedience. Guard us. Guide us. We ask this in Jesus.